Hey, what's up, everyone? This is episode 006, Topical Zoom. I wish we got a little creative with this intros. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Welcome to yet another Topical Zoom episode on the Design Your Thinking Podcast. And this is me, Karthik. You probably know by now how much I love creativity, thinking, and learning. I've been an artist for many years and I've always believed it has had a profound impact on my thinking and my perspectives of the world and everything around me. As product makers, being at our creative best is important as it helps us not just come up with ideas but also improves our outlook of the product and the business around. Our guest today is a consultant, producer and facilitator who teaches and coaches people and companies on using arts-based learning to making products. Our guest has been working across a variety of innovation-related areas, including product development, product marketing, service innovation, education, and the arts. He has a background in anthropology, sociology, and theater, and has worked with a variety of clients and organizations, including IBM, SAP, Epson, Nationwide, Kraft, Armand Hammer, the National Science Foundation, Yale University, and the Moscow Art Theater. Let's welcome John Reeves. John, welcome to the show and good to have you here. Well, thank you very much. That's terrific. Thank you. All right. John, let's jump right in. You have a background in anthropology, sociology, and theater. And on top of this, you consult on innovation strategy with big organizations. What do you really do as a consultant and producer and a facilitator? <laughs> it's, a, it's an excellent question. I don't know. It's a little bit messy and organic. Um, as you said, I, I have a, a background in uh, undergraduate in anthropology, a graduate program, um, degree in uh, sociology. I have an MFA in playwriting. Uh, I've been involved, I think, back and forth between um, the arts and theater and various kinds of sort of avant-garde kind of creativity on the one hand, on the other hand, uh, involved in technology and in, um, in business, in uh, working with a variety of innovation labs and product marketing, as well as product development kinds of efforts. So uh, I kind of like that mix. Uh, I see it as a kind of a spiral, uh, you know, between all those different influences. Uh, but I, uh, but, you know, I think there is a kind of a core there, which is a kind of a systematic approach to uh, to creativity, to problem solving, and to uh, helping people work together on uh, kind of uh, innovative innovative projects or sort of an innovative impulse. Interesting. So you kind of work with companies to innovate in the areas of mm -hmm. product development and marketing. Right. Can you elaborate on the kind of work so we understand what kind of work you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've worked with... Um, a wide range of, of um, technology companies, uh, IBM, Bell Labs, um, Lucent, SAP, um, Epson, um, 
uh, LexisNexis, a bunch of different companies kind of on the technology side, uh, working often with the innovation labs and helping them kind of connect their technologies to new ideas and new markets, Um, sometimes working with the uh, product marketing groups to connect, um, you know, kind of products that are coming out of the pipeline to specific communities um, in terms of, um, you know, kind of customers. uh, And uh, and so I enjoy that. I think of that as, you know, sort of creating ideas and then communicating ideas. So uh, I think that I see that as part, kind of part of the same ecosystem of innovation. Um, And uh, I've also worked with... um, to some extent to financial companies with nationwide, um, uh, you know, with uh, consulting companies like Pricewaterhouse and uh, with uh, some consumer product companies like Kraft and, um, and uh, Arm & Hammer. Um, probably my favorite project in that area was a, uh, something on reinventing cat litter, which was a very, which is a great, <laughs> which is a great project. We had great uh, kind of focus group interviews with crazy cat ladies and stuff like that. So, uh, but I enjoy I enjoy that kind of mix of different um, product and service kind of innovation. Um, we've all I've also worked on the nonprofit side with a variety of different arts groups, uh, universities, um, and currently in a project called the National, called the Art of Science Learning, kind of sponsored by the National Science Foundation, which is again about taking sort of arts-based kind of innovation uh, as a process uh, in science and technology related um, problem solving. Wow, that's a wide gamut of different things that you do. I'd like to probably focus this conversation a little bit. I thought that creativity is something that cannot be taught um, you know, I thought creativity happens when you give yourself this time and space and let your mind think. Mm-hmm. But you seem to have a way of helping people and companies to to get creative. How do you go about doing this? Well, I, I do think it can be, let's see, not exactly taught, but it can be practiced. So you can create situations in which people practice creativity. That is, they, you know, um, exercise their creative muscles. Uh, They find new techniques that work for them to generate ideas, to, to, um, you know, kind of be inspired by what they see, observations they make, um, things they know, um, stuff that's in front of them. And uh, they, you know, you can help them find some kind of process, internal process or externalization process, let's say, which helps them uh, tap into their own creativity. So whether you're whether you're teaching creativity by that, I'm not sure, but you are definitely helping them practice creativity, and and practicing creativity leads to more creativity. So you know, if I generate ten ideas, I, I can generate a hundred ideas if I if I sort of prime that pump and get that sort of engine running. So uh, you know, I think you can absolutely improve uh, people's creativity. You can also, I think, which is sometimes even more critical, is take a group or a team and help them practice together coming up with ideas. Uh, because often, um, you know, that that's the critical issue is, is within an organization, uh, whether it's a corporation or a community, you know, you often uh, find that people have difficulty coming up with ideas together. And that's where I think some of these techniques, arts-based techniques, really work well as they help people come up with ideas together, um, you know, not just sort of increase the individual's ability to be creative. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. You know, I've made this observation a few times when creativity works well when it's one or two people, 
But the moment the team starts to scale beyond the first few people, there is right. a dip in creativity levels. Yeah, I think that I think that's part of the problem um, with even with the design thinking process is that people, some people, define themselves as creative or define themselves as designers, when really many solutions come from a collaboration between, you know, designers and non-designers or quote creative unquote people and and non-creative people. Whereas, whereas I think again, if you can help people be creative together, um, help people, you know, kind of approach design issues together uh, on a more equal basis then i think you can get some extraordinary results yeah totally uh the the ideal design thinking team should be a composite set of people from you know diverse backgrounds as much as possible so john one thing you drew my attention on early on in the chat is the project you did with Amon hammer if it's okay to share could you talk about that experience because you seem fascinated when you mentioned it <laughs> and uh and yes i am fascinated with cats as pets too <laughs> Well, we, um, we, uh, the challenge was to sort of, as I said, kind of reinvent, uh, you know, cat litter, kitty litter or whatever, to reinvent that, um, you know, the, this particular company had a, a particular material that they used that they, um, you know, the, you know, there's some, to some extent that field is about what is the material that's used, you know, to sort of, um, absorb the, uh, you know, the, the smell, the, you know, the, the, uh, urine and so forth. So it's, a, it's a very nitty gritty kind of problem on the one hand, on the other hand, it, in some, in a, in a funny way, it's all about perception, right? It's all about, you know, w- you know, what is clean or what is, um, you know, what is the smell or what is, you know, it's, it's very much about, you know, how does this fit within your home or within your life? You know, what makes sense to you uh, to do that job? And, and what is, again, what is the sort of the whole um, holistic view of that issue, you know, uh, you know, and, and sort of pet ownership and, and uh, your relationship to your friends, you know, who come over. And so there's lots of, uh, uh, there's lots of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, kind of surrounding or wrapped, you know, kind of issues wrapped around that, as I, I think any kind of design thinking approach would see. Um, and we kind of explored everything again from all sorts of flipping it on its back, on its, uh, you know, kind of flipping it over completely. You know, what could be pleasant about kitty litter? What could be kind of inviting about it? You know, uh, you know, or about that experience? What uh, and also uh, what are what's the surrounding, ec- you know, kind of ecosystem in terms of buying it, getting it delivered? you know getting it you know um uh again kind of the friends and family approach to this issue so we we sort of i think sort of took a very broad approach to it you know came up with a wide range of ideas um um you know on all sides of the issue and came back with a whole set of recommendations that i think um you know uh that you know provide a lot of possibilities for them moving forward I see. That sounds pretty interesting to me, and I don't want to let that digress us any further. Let's get back to a topic, which is arts-based learning. So, John, what is arts-based learning, and what is the Art of Science Learning Initiative Mm -hmm. all about? Great. Um, Yeah, I think the... um I mean, I think if if you think of the arts as a, as a a broad range of different types of activities, of disciplines, of of um, different kind of modalities, um, you know, from sculpture to painting to theater to dance to you know spoken word to poetry, you know, so forth. There's a wide range of modalities. Uh, which don't on the surface seem to be very different, but there is, we recognize, I think by labeling them the arts, you know, we recognize that they have something in common in terms of um, kind of creating something 
new from scratch or creating something that's a um, you know that's a uh, a, a kind of emotional um, aesthetic uh, reaction to the world, um, you know, and then going through a process again, a, a lot like a design thinking process of looking at what you're creating, refining it, sometimes testing it. In the theater, we were always taking a play we'd written and and reading it for groups of people and getting their reactions to it, kind of doing prototyping. Um, you know, again, the, a lot of these fields will do a lot of the design thinking, you know, steps like prototyping and so forth, um, and then uh, then embodying it in a final product. So um, the, it is a kind of an iterative, um, uh, creative, iterative, um, pro, you know, kind of development process, product development process. But it's one that requires you to step away from functional requirements in many cases from um, what went before and it's di- it's done in a marketplace where there's a high high demand for innovation so uh, particularly beginning at the beginning of the 20th century um, we started to go towards you know arts the arts were about something new it was always about something new something avant-garde something very different than what went before before that art the arts were often just representative you know i'm going to paint the 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 sunset or i'm going to paint a bowl of fruit in the in the most beautiful way i can but it's very much like the last time somebody painted a bowl of fruit but somewhere around that turn of the century we started to say no it's got to be completely different it's got to be you know we went to cubism we went to abstract we went to all sorts of links in order to differentiate um you know my art as an artist from the 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 artists that came before me um and that pressure to innovate i think is is something that we're just in in some ways in the last 20 30 years seeing in the product marketplace or in the commercial marketplace where people are there's a tremendous you know, a pressure to differentiate yourself from the, the other company who does, you know, um, who does, who does, uh, you know, picking up people on the street with an app. You know, the other, you know, the other company that that makes such and such a product or makes wine or or um, delivers groceries or something like that. So, so we have to. There's this this pressure to differentiate, which has always has been there in the arts world for a hundred years. And so, a lot of the techniques for how do you create something completely new you know are very uh, again very embedded in the arts practice i mean one way to think of the arts in an innovation process or you know working with an innovation team within an organization is to think of it as a place to kind of warm up uh create creativity skills so uh you can uh, take a challenge that's that's more of an arts-based challenge or, or take an exercise as an arts-based exercise and really kind of practice like a pitcher is warming up in the bullpen, practice uh, creating new ideas, practice, um, you know, generating possibilities, practice sometimes making observations. Um, actually, the arts are also very strong in uh, helping people develop skills in observing more deeply, um, seeing things uh, from a different perspective, uh, shifting uh, points of view. Um, so the arts have some uh, some things that they've always been good at, uh, that they're very well developed within different arts fields um, that are very close to what uh, design thinking uh, recommends. Uh, but again, you're, you're practicing them in a kind of a deeper way uh, in, a, in an area that's not the target challenge necessarily. So you're uh, before you then, once you practice, work together, then you can apply those skills, you know, to the target challenge. It's a little bit like um, sometimes when you uh, do a performance, you kind of 
do some warm-up exercises, you know, in order to, to get ready to sharpen your, your thinking, then sharpen your attention, your focus. So the arts often work well for that. Um, they, uh, they work well for bringing a team together if the team is from, uh, kind of comes from different perspectives with different backgrounds. Um, we've often seen the arts being, uh, some sort of arts-based exercise as being a great way to say, well, you've got a scientist in the room, you've got a designer in the room, you've got you know, an engineer and, or a business person in the room. How do you bring them all together? Well, sometimes having them come together around an arts-based exercise really kind of bonds them puts them all on the same footing and really sets them up to be um, to be creative and focused in the whatever the target challenge or the problem you're trying to solve. Um, we also see that we, we've seen it work very well to use the arts to help accelerate a process of exploring an idea or a set of ideas or a challenge. Uh, the arts are great at doing prototypes. So uh, you know, if you um, just as a uh, you know creating a sculpture, you sketch out something beforehand, uh, or you're you're uh, writing a play uh, and you you read parts of the play to an audience. You can use the arts to sort of create prototypes of ideas and explore them from different points of view. So we'll do a workshop, for example. We start out by sketching an idea on a napkin. We then get people to get together and build sculptures or models around that idea. Uh, we get the people then to create scenes around the idea and characters around the idea to sort of explore different um, kind of user scenarios. And then we follow up with, you know, kind of a, um, kind of a creating a mural or a landscape or some sort of painting or poster around the idea to create a final visual expression. And that, you know, in a few hours, basically you can put people through a lot of different um, artistic kind of exercises or processes and really sharpen that idea uh, very quickly and in a very kind of economical way. Interesting. So um, I have a question here. Um, so is it, I mean, how different is art-based learning from the design thinking practices that is pretty commonly talked about? Well, I think the the it goes farther in some ways because I think you know you, you you can go farther in terms of tapping the unconscious. You can go farther in terms of um, expressing things, you know, in an art in an arts based form allows you to step farther away from your ordinary preconceptions about what that uh, situation or scenario are. Um, it allows you to um, free up again people from uh, a preconception of what their expertise is and put people on the same basis. So design thinking, I think, is great, but it does, in some ways, it doesn't go far enough in terms of um, getting people to get outside of their objective, analytical, um, um, you know, kind of discipline limited or siloed approach to a problem. Interesting. So uh, is there, so does, um, uh, you know, the whole uh, notion of art-based learning have some sort of a process. I mean, you did describe a process at a very broad level. So when it comes to actually putting things to practice, uh, you know, in the way you work with, uh, you know, you, you, you work a lot with product development companies and organizations. So how, mm -hmm. how, do, you, how do you transform this uh, broad set of steps into, you know, something that actually works for them? Well, we look for places within their process. We don't try to reinvent the process generally, but what we try to do is look for places in the process where they might want to um, 
insert or embed um, a an arts based experience of some kind. And so, um, you know, if it's a very early on where they, um, you know, where you're looking at a, you know, an observation or a, you know, an analysis or a, um, um, you know, kind of a user user um, uh, kind of experience part of it, you know, kind of, you know, an anthropological or um, kind of ethnographic approach to something. But you you try to put in some part of that which is an art space thing they come back for an, an ethnographic visit and for example and they make sketches or they even do poems or a drawing or a sculpture of what they experience so they they use that art based element to sort of allow themselves to step farther away from their preconceptions um and uh and then they can step back that is you can you can then take what you've done and and um kind of trans, trans, what we call transliterate sometimes, you know, what we've, we've transliterated in some sort of art form and then carry it back into your, your analysis and your, you know, and your, uh, your reporting on that so forth. So I think you can, as I say, you don't necessarily need to reinvent that process, but you can take, a, you can pick particular kinds of experiences and it sometimes depends on the team or what their interests are or what they are comfortable with in terms of, of, of an art form um, and how, Get them to go farther, deeper, you know, uh, more, um, you know, find more uh, organic and surprising elements of something. Um, and you can do that as at an observation stage. You can do that in, in an ideation stage. You can do that in a prototyping stage. Um, and so, you, um, so I, I think it, it's as I said, it deepens, um, uh, makes more, creates more kind of unexpected discoveries. Um, it kind of sometimes accelerates uh, a process, um, and it, it's about finding the opportunities within your existing, you know, innovation uh, steps that uh, really could be uh, supported or enhanced by an arts-based experience. Perfect. I, I get what you're saying. So, you know, I've done this, some of these exercises in the past, and I've seen some of my friends who are designers and artists do it. Uh, I was actually going through uh, the Art of Science Institute website and the work you guys do there. When I looked at the website, the one thing that I also understood is that you're now exploring immersive programs. You have people coming in from the professional uh, world and doing an immersive exercise for a year and a half. So how does this work and, and what is the process this immersive exercise takes? What I'm looking to understand, John, is uh, how can a product person like me, a product manager or a designer or an engineer, try and put this to practice? Perhaps there are routines they can do every day or maybe yeah. every week or every right. month. Right. Well, I, I, I think what I one possibility would be to say, you know, let's let's um, take an art space experience. So when I say an art space experience, it means some art form, some uh, discipline. Uh, maybe you work with a local artist to, to sort of explore this. But you know, to, to take a, a sculpt, uh, work with a sculptor, or work with a, a theater artist, or work with a um, you know um, you know a painter or, or an artist of some kind, a visual artist of some kind. Find somebody to work with who will who will basically give you or, or um, work develop for you a um, 
a thing that you can do or a thing that you can make in this uh, this other art form. It's not the art form you're comfortable with in. That's part of the point. You get a group or a team to, to work together in this art form they're not familiar with. And there's a wide range of it. We've done everything from jazz to, um, you know, to... Um, there's a type of painting where you paint on water, basically, and then put the paper on the water and create these sort of really abstract things. There's lots and lots of different art, form, you know, art forms that work with this. And you build that into as an arts experience where you um, how is it to enrich basically your your perceptions, enrich your um, ability to see things that, that you didn't see before, to generate ideas from a more unconscious basis um, and you do that, you know, again, perhaps on a team basis, uh, on a regular, you know, regular, I think a team working regularly once a month on a particular arts experience and then applying that in some way to what they do or the target area that they're in. So if they're in CPG and you want them, you know, and they want to um, look at how they're, how people are using their product uh, products. You know, it might be a theater-based experience where, where once a month they get together and create scenes and create characters and act them out, you know, and, and see where they go and improvise them, you know, you know, that are in some relationship to what they do or what they're interested in um, exploring. So um, I think that uh, you can, t- you know, you can, I think you can take almost any art form and apply it in a way that, um really, as I said, sharpens your observations, sharpens your ability to step outside of the, the conscious analytic, um, you know, uh, approach. And I think you'll get something out of that. Um, we, you know, as I said, we've done a dozen different, you know, versions of this for a dozen different kinds of scenarios. Um, but, you know, and I think there's a lot of possibilities. Um, and I think it's a, a partly a matter of, the team or the process of the organization saying, look, this is worthwhile doing. We're going to set aside the time to, to work on this once a month. Um, and this is where we think we can, you know, f- find a modality that or a, or a target or a shape for that workshop that, um, that is in, that has some fruitful relationship to what we're, what we're doing. Nice. Maybe it's a product manager in me asking this question that I'm about to ask, but you talked about how we can put arts-based learning to practice. But is there a way we can uh, measure the outcome of these exercises? How do you go about working with organizations to do that? Because most often when we work with management and executive leadership, the question we get asked is, what can we expect as an outcome and how can we measure it? (laughs) Right. Well, the, the um, principal investigator for the project um, uh, this funded by the National Science Foundation is Harvey Seifter, and he's been doing a lot of work uh, on figuring out research measures uh, and metrics that can uh, help. And what, one of the things he's uh, developed is what he calls a creativity thinking uh, kind of um, uh, test, basically. And, and so what they what that involves is kind of a pretest where you uh, give people a kind of a, again, a, a problem to explore. How many ideas do they come up with related to that problem? How many, you know, different aspects of it do they see, you know? So, um, and then, so they kind of measure their creativity before, you know, the experience and they measure their creativity after the experience, you know, in various, various kinds of ways of, 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 
of sort of new, you know, kind of uh, quantifying that, you know, how many ideas you come up with, how different are the ideas from each other, you know, and they've developed some measures. He's developed some interesting measures and generally sees that, that they have uh, both kind of immediate impact that they, that their post-test is higher in all, in those, in those uh, measures as well as a long-term impact. So, um, you know, if you test, you know, three months later, you still have a positive thing, uh, both on he's the test has been, he's been working on tests on individuals, but he's also kind of trying to, um, kind of figure out how to apply it to teams as well. That sounds interesting. I mean, I've taken so many creativity tests, but I think this could be pretty interesting because yeah, it if you, has a way of measuring creativity before yeah, and after the exercise, right? If you do it as a pre-test and post-test, and I, I don't know that there's any magic in the in the particular test, uh, uh, but he has been starting to, um, you know, kind of um, whatever, validate that, um, you know, in a variety of ways. And I think there's a phase three to the project where uh, he's going to continue to try to, um, you know, validate that with, you know, additional research and additional, uh, in additional contexts. Great. Maybe I'll, I'll grab the links and put them on the show notes for people to. Sure. Yeah. So, John, uh, we are in the fag end of this episode. Is there a creativity practice that you would like my guests to try out as soon as they finish listening to this episode? Well, I think I think um, w- we do a workshop, which I think is a fairly compact um you know, kind of example of this and uh, where we get uh, teams together, um, maybe, you know, small teams. It could be, you know, we often work for with uh, teams of four or five people. Maybe, you know, we can work with more than one team at once in this. Um, And we, we sort of give them a challenge and sometimes the challenge is different than their ordinary challenges. So if they're product developers, we maybe sometimes give them a service challenge or a kind of a social challenge or something like that. So we give them a challenge a little bit outside the domain. Um, and we then run them through this sort of quick uh, sequence or iteration of arts-based, you know, um, uh, arts-based experiences. They start with individually sketching an idea, you know, again, on a napkin. Then they share the idea uh, and build kind of a model or sculpture. You know, we give them a bunch of stuff, material stuff of various kinds of interesting and bizarre stuff. And they build a sculpture out of that. Um, Then they show that to each other. We then have them uh, create characters and improvise, you know, plays or scenes related to that. And then, as I said, we have them create a kind of a visual piece at the end of that. And that's a three-hour workshop. And I think, um, you know, I think... Again, getting people a team out of what they're doing, uh, the the particular product they're working on, getting them to look at a different problem together, a very different kind of problem together, getting them to practice these, um, you know, less conscious, more, um, you know, more uncomfortable kinds of modalities. You know, uh, you know, getting them to, to do some world warming up. We do improv exercises with them and dance exercises with them to get them warm up. If you, uh, and then we, uh, and then we have them, you know, kind of show their work to each other and do this in a. It's really a three-hour afternoon kind of experience. And doing that with your team, even once during the course of a project, I think could be really useful. Um, and people will experience their relationship to their, uh, afterwards, I think their relationship to their problems in a new way. They'll experience their relationship to each other in a somewhat new way. Because again, people tend to silo themselves as soon as they sit down to a table to begin a project saying, I'm, you know, I'm the uh, materials expert or I'm the, you know, I'm the, uh, uh, 
um, you know, user interface expert, right, whatever, they've already siloed themselves and they sort of, um, you know, it, it, to some extent they shut down some of the possibilities already. So if you can get people to get out of their conventional roles, to get out of their conventional modalities, and to practice something completely different, you know, even, as I said, even for an afternoon, I think you can find tremendous benefits, you know, in, in kind of kicking off that project, getting people to work together in a, in a, uh, in a somewhat deeper, open, more free, kind of freer kind of way, um, recognize things in each other that they didn't see before, you know, it might turn out that somebody who seemed to be very quiet is actually a great, you know, um, you know, a great actor or a great, you know what I mean? Or a great improviser or something like that, you know, so people see that person in a new way and therefore will listen to them in a new way. So there's, there's so much I think that can be discovered in, in, you know, once you step out of that comfortable, I, I know I'm a designer, I'm a engineer, I'm a, you know, whatever material scientist, I'm a, you know, user interface analyst, you know, if you step away from your conventional role, step into a different modality together and then practice something, you know, creativity, um, observation, um, you know, prototyping in, a, in this other way, you know, um, I think there's tremendous value there. Great. I think, uh, yeah, the throwing, getting yourself uncomfortable, throwing yourself out of the comfort zone right. uh, is going to be key to getting yeah. creative. Um, one last question, um, you know, that's purely very s- selfish question, but in, uh, what, what do you think is the real difference between art and design, if at all there is one? Well, design, you know, design is for a purpose, right? So it has many of the same qualities. Um, you know, you, you're, but you're doing it for a purpose. You're doing it, um, you know, uh, kind of on demand, basically. Uh, you're doing it... Um, you know, you're doing, it has to satisfy certain parameters and constraints. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it succeeds or fails on, on its, uh, on its ability to do that. Art doesn't necessarily, I mean, there's not that, you know, it's not, that it's not in the real world, but it's, it's really, um, there's not the same, there's not those same rules. There's not, um, there's no particular boundary or, uh, horizon that, that, that you have to respect, um, you, it really is stepping outside of, you know, what's required to be functional, what's required to be, um, you know, uh, what's required to be, um, meet a deadline or whatever, you know, and it's, so it's tremendously freeing. And I think, you know, that's scary, that's frightening, uh, you know, um, you know, that brings up all sorts of issues, but it does open up a, a, a dialogue with your unconscious and, and most psychologists and you know philosophers will say that ideas come out of your unconscious, even even if the idea is for a conscious purpose. So uh, it really helps you uh, create a kind of a pathway between the unconscious and the conscious, between the um, you know between the objective answer to the problem and the surprising, unexpected answer to the problem that you really need. Nice, nice. I think uh, so. It's it's be, so. It- if I can paraphrase that, would it be uh, okay to say that design is has a direction and art does not have a direction? It's more expression right. of the self. Yeah, and it's also art is comfortable being paradoxical, and that's one of the most interesting things. Uh, one of the most non-obvious philosophical things I, I've read in my life is that somebody who said that um, basically any kind of area where there's competition, where there's, you know, uh, you know, 
desire to differentiate yourself has has a paradoxical quality that is you have to you know you have to be different in some way that you don't know how to be different right you have to be surprising unexpected you know uh there's an un, there's an a, a uh intellectual adversary on the other side of the of the, of the equation who's trying to outthink you so you have to be different right and so how do i how do i be different in the same way i can't i have to do something different in order to be different right so there's many paradoxical qualities to uh succeeding i think in the product world and art helps you with that because art is comfortable being paradoxical that's that's profound that's a great uh, way to put it Thank you, John. I mean, uh, so where can people find you? I mean, we've had a great chat, and I'm sure people want to reach you. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, LinkedIn is great. You know, uh, John Reeves, and uh, uh, that's a great way to reach me. And um, J Reeves, J Reeves at LearningWorlds.com is an email. All right. That was an excellent chat, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed uh, getting John on the show and asking him these questions. Ever since I came across John's writings, I have always wanted to have him on this show. He has been doing some interesting research around uh, design thinking and systems thinking, and that's how I met him. Being naturally inclined towards learning, I found the arts-based learning approach pretty interesting. Research shows that experiential learning and learning by doing different things lights up different areas of the brain that would otherwise not light up when we do our mundane day-to-day routines. The exercises that John talks about have a profound impact on the way we think and act. And trust me on this. I've found this from personal experience and also seeing people do it. It's very similar to the way kids learn by playing and experiencing different things. All right, that's all I have for today. I hope you love the chat and I strongly urge you to try out the exercise that John talks about at the end of the episode. It just takes three hours or less. So go ahead and give it a try. You know, I have John's LinkedIn handle, his email address, a link to the Art of Science Learning Foundation, and a link to the PDF that details about the methods um, that Harvey Swifter is exploring to test creativity in the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.designyourthinking.com slash episode 006. If you enjoy listening to this show, please show some love please head over to the iTunes store by going to www.designyourthinking.com slash iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. That's all folks. Let's make, learn, change the world every day. Get creative till I see you next time in the next episode. Stay tuned and stay inspired. And if you're still listening, I have something for you. I just launched a contest and I'm giving away five t-shirts and one Alexa-powered Amazon Echoes Bluetooth speaker. Yes, that you heard me right. All you need to do to win one of them is these three things. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast right now on your iTunes app, I mean, if it's your iPhone or iPad or Mac, go to the iTunes app, subscribe to the podcast. And number two, leave me a rating and review in the app. Go give me your best review because I'm going to pick the best review every Friday to give out a t-shirt. 
and finally go and subscribe to my newsletter go to www.designyourthinking.com scroll all the way to the bottom and click the button and give your email address and subscribe to my uh, newsletter you'll get a welcome email from me hit reply let me know that you've done all the three steps and that's it you stand a chance to win one t-shirt every friday and on thanksgiving i am going to pick i'm going to go through the list one more time and pick one of you to give away this special alexa powered amazon echo i really hope to see you around and i want to really really give this t-shirt to each one of you see you around Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.